I'm Dennis Tubergen. You are listening to the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. Yeah, you decided to listen in today. Hey, joining me on today's program in segments two and three will be Mr. John Rabino. I'll talk to John about the economy. Are we in a recession? I'll talk to him about credit now contracting and what that might mean moving ahead for the economy. We'll also be talking about investing opportunities as John sees it. So that will be in segments two and three of today's program. You'll want to stay tuned for that. And it is April. We are offering our April special report today for the very last time. The April 2023 special report is titled Five Forecasts for the Economy and Investing Markets. When you go to requestyourreport.com and request your report by letting us know where to mail it, we'll not only send you the report, which features forecasts from past guests here on the radio program, we'll also send you a copy of the Revenue Sourcing Book, which contains a retirement planning strategy for the current economy. And we'll also bonus you a copy of the Little Black Book on Social Security Maximization. So a big box of information, absolutely free. It is the last opportunity for you to get the April 2023 special report, again, titled Five Forecasts for the Economy and Investing Markets. To get the report, as well as the bonus information, simply go to requestyourreport.com and let us know where to mail the report, and we'll be very glad to get that report out to you. You know, if you're investing for retirement, chances are pretty good you're using an IRA or a 401k, or perhaps even a Roth IRA. So I want to spend some time on today's program talking about investment planning options and tax planning options as it relates to IRAs and 401ks. Now, you probably, if you're listening to today's program, you probably at some point aspire to a comfortable, stress-free retirement. And I'd like to start this conversation by talking directly to you. Investing markets today, in my view, and in the view of almost every guest that I interview here on the program, investing markets are not normal. Take last year, take calendar year 2022, and look at what happened in the markets. Stocks finished down and bonds finished down. Now, given that if you have a 401k plan that is offered through your employer, chances are your menu of investing options probably allow you to choose from stock funds, bond funds, and perhaps a money market. Well, if you were invested in your 401k plan last year and you were in stock funds and or bond funds, the reality is you lost money. In fact, you may be one of those investors that were shocked to find that you could actually lose money in bonds. After all, aren't bonds supposed to be a more conservative investment? The reality is that as interest rates rise, bonds decline in value. So last year, if you owned stocks and bonds with the idea that bonds would hedge your stock holdings, because bonds usually go up when stocks go down. That is true in some environments, but it's also not true in many environments. And calendar year 2022 was one such environment. 
Now, here's the reality. If you have limited investment options in a 401k, you almost, if you're concerned about losing money in stocks and bonds, you almost have to be really conservative. Take advantage of the match your employer offers, particularly if you're close to retirement. But if you're within a few years of retirement, you may not want to take the risk that the 401k investment choices in your plan might require you to take. And even the target funds, the target retirement funds that many of you have as an option in your 401k menu of, of, of choices, those typically are made up of stocks and bonds as well. The, the more years until you retire, typically the more stocks that target fund holds. So for example, a target 2025 fund probably has more bonds and fewer stocks than a target 2030 fund, which likely has more stocks and fewer bonds relative to the target 2025 fund. Now, if you have obtained the age, if you have attained the age rather of 59 and a half, you may have some other options. If you are working and you're contributing to a 401k and you're over the age of 59 and a half, you could probably do what's known as an in-service distribution. Now, basically, you would set up an IRA and you would follow a special process to move the money from your 401k to your IRA, which would be self-directed, and it would allow you to invest wherever you want to invest. Now, as I'll talk about with John Rubino in the third segment of today's program, Perhaps you would like to own some precious metals in your 401k or IRA. Chances are pretty good you cannot own physical precious metals in your 401k. However, if you qualify to do an in-service distribution, you may be able to transfer money out of your 401k to a self-directed IRA and actually buy physical gold and physical silver. Or perhaps you are bullish on tangible type assets and tangible type stocks. I'll be talking to John Rubino in the third segment about mining shares, about uranium, about oil and gas. You may not be able to get that specific just sticking to the menu of options that are offered in your company 401k plan. So for many people, putting money in an IRA instead of a 401k is going to make a lot more sense. You've got a lot more investment options and you control it. Now, the other thing I'd like to talk about as it relates to 401k plans, 401k plans are typically used as accumulation vehicles. So as you're working, you're contributing to your 401k, you're actually deferring pay. Your employer may match part of your contribution to the 401k plan, and it's, in, it's really designed to be an accumulation vehicle. But now when you get closer to retirement, within say five, six, seven, eight years of retirement, you might want to put one eye on a distribution plan. The biggest mistake many people make when planning for retirement is they use accumulation strategies while they're distributing money from their IRA or 401k plan. And that can be 
a big mistake. And, and anyone that tried to use accumulation strategies last year as both stocks and bonds were down knows that this is absolutely the case. The revenue sourcing book, and if you request the April special report, I'll send you a copy of the revenue sourcing book, talks about how to set up a distribution plan. And a distribution plan is way different than an accumulation plan. A distribution plan, first of all, focuses on avoiding drawdown. What is drawdown? Drawdown is described as the distance between the peak in an asset price and the trough or the bottom of an asset price. So if we, for example, look at stocks last year, the drawdown in the S&P 500 was about 25%. If you look at the highest point for stocks and look at the lowest point for stocks before they rebounded, you have about a 25% drawdown. Now, here's why avoiding drawdown in your distribution plan is so important. For every percentage loss you experience in drawdown, the percentage gain that you need to have subsequent to experiencing that loss needs to be exponentially larger. For example, if you have a 50% loss in the value of your assets, it requires a 100% gain to get back to even. So if you have $100,000 in your 401k and you lose 50%, you now have a $50,000 balance. Now it requires a 100% gain on $50,000 to get back to the $100,000 that you started with. So again, if you've not yet requested the April special report and all the bonus information, I would encourage you to do that. The April 2023 special report is titled Five Forecasts for the Economy and Investing Markets. Go to requestyourreport.com and I'll be glad to send you a copy of the report as well as the revenue sourcing book that will help you determine how a distribution plan might work for you in your individual situation. So again, requestyourreport.com. And I'll send you the five forecasts for the economy and investing markets, which is the April 2023 special report. And you'll also get complimentary copies of the revenue sourcing book and the little black book on social security maximization. I'll be back after these words with my special guest, Mr. John Rubino. Welcome back to RLA Radio. I'm your host, Dennis Tubergen. Joining me once again on today's program is returning guest, Mr. John Rubino. Uh, John is a prolific author. Uh, in fact, he wrote a book called The Money Bubble, What to Do Before It Pops, that is a uh, literal prophecy of what's going on right now. You can read uh, John's current work at rubino.substack.com. The website, again, rubino.substack.com. I'd encourage you to do that. And John, welcome back to the program. Hey, Dennis. Good to talk to you again. So, John, let's just jump in. Um, let me ask, are we in a recession? Uh, no, but we're close. There's a lot of things going on that, uh, that point to a slowing economy. Um, there, there are these things called um, 
uh, manufacturers reports out there where each fed, -Fed um, um, office puts out a report for their region. And a lot of those are really slowing down. And uh, I think the big one that uh, determines everything else that's happening is that the money supply is shrinking. And that's, that's something you don't hear about much in the U.S. anymore, the money supply. But um, the reason for that is, is that the Fed has kept the amount of new money being pumped into the system um, growing literally since the 1970s. Um, the, the M2 money supply, which is a fairly broad measure of money, um, has literally never gone down since that time. But today it's going down. Uh, and it's going down pretty dramatically. So what that means is that uh, the concept of a Ponzi scheme is going to get very popular out there. So I'll, I'll uh, define that really briefly. A Ponzi scheme is a, a financial fraud where, let's say I promise you a 15% return on your money if you invest with me. And uh, then I go out and promise that to everybody else. And I use the new money that comes in to pay you. And everything works great as long as lots of new investors are signing up. But as soon as the new investors stop signing up um, to the point where I can't pay the original investors, the thing breaks down and just falls apart. Well, the, a fiat currency system, which is um, a system where the currency isn't backed by anything and it just depends on um, our faith in the government to manage it honestly and competently, and where, because of that, the government ends up creating lots of new dollars each year, um, requires a supply of new dollars each year, you know, because that's how Ponzi schemes work. And this year, for the first time, like I said, since the 1970s, we've stopped doing that. We had to tighten dramatically because inflation went way up. And now we've got a shrinking money supply and we've got all these people out there who um, have to pay those higher interest rates or have to roll over debt at higher rates or the, you know, the government has all kinds of expenses like Medicare and Social Security and the military empire that are all going up. So there's demand for lots of dollars out there, but the supply is inadequate, which means lots of people who need to do those things I just mentioned will be unable to do it because there won't be enough dollars in the system. They'll start failing um, and it'll kind of start at the periphery. The weaker players will start to fail um, and then their failures will cause their creditors to fail and so on until the trouble at the periphery starts working its way to the core to even, where even something like J.P. Morgan Chase is in trouble. Um, and that's how Ponzi schemes fail. And that's what we're headed for if we keep the money supply shrinking. So sometime in the next year, maybe much less than the next year, the government's going to be confronted with uh, a dilemma. Does it uh, ramp up the money supply again at the cost of possibly reigniting inflation and causing all kinds of um, the, the instability that flows from <laughs> rising inflation? Or does it um, let a, a large number of entities fail out there and just hope for the best? And, uh, you know, normally, historically, governments always choose inflation over deflation and, and collapse. So. Uh, we're looking at something like that in probably the not too distant future if the money supply keeps shrinking. And, uh, you know, it's almost certain that it will because nothing is happening right now to increase the money supply. So, John, when you uh, first mentioned that uh, the M2 money supply was contracting really for the first time since the dollar became a fiat currency, 
I immediately thought about the fact that you know one of the one of the things that that, that happened that uh, just prior to the Great Depression was that we had the money supply contract. So are, are we headed for a recession that could be that deep in your view? Yeah, um, two things have happened. One is a huge amount of new debt has been taken on in the last ten years. Everybody's over leveraged out there, um, which makes us really financially vulnerable because. You know, if you have money in the bank and you're debt free, you can handle a, a crisis. You know, your roof can leak or something like that. And you've got the ability to take care of it because um, you have money in the bank and you're debt free. Um, but if you're over leveraged, if you borrowed way too much money, then an illness or a lost job or a leaky roof can be a catastrophe because you don't have the ability to borrow more. You don't have any new cash coming in. And so we're kind of in that situation as a society right now. If the government's not cranking out new cash, um, all the leveraged players out there don't have on their own the wherewithal to handle any kind of a crisis. So, uh, you know, a garden variety equities bear market followed by a garden variety, you know, one or two percent drop in GDP, uh, which is how a typical recession goes could easily metastasize into something a lot more serious because there are so many leveraged players out there that might go bust and then might pull down their creditors and so on. So, you know, the government knows this and they're terrified of, uh, of what even a modest re- recession might do to the leveraged speculating community, which is everybody now. So, um, you know, you'll get a response from, you'll, you'll get a response from the economy that's exaggerated. It might be, way more serious, way faster than anybody expects. And you'll get an exaggerated response from the government that knows what could happen if they let it go on. So very interesting times that um, that will look like an exaggerated versions of, uh, version of the past couple of crises. But those crises were so serious that an exaggerated version of them could be just something we've never seen in our lifetimes. John, one of the other big news stories I've seen over the past few weeks is that uh, credit is contracting. Uh, There are auto dealers that have closed dealerships because their floor plan financing got pulled. Uh, Car loans are getting more difficult to get. Um, This certainly is a symptom of this contracting money supply. Um, Do do, do you see this whole trend continuing? And and do you see a a situation where, you know, I've talked to some uh, experts who can even envision that you know, credit contracts to the point that it's almost non-existent. And, uh, you know, that would be just hugely detrimental to the economy. Oh, that blows up everything if, if that happens. And, yeah, you, you're right. You saw that happen in one sector of the economy where lenders who normally cover car inventories for car dealers uh, just said, no, nah, we're not doing that anymore. And all of a sudden, a category of credit just ceased to be available. Uh, that's kind of a, a um, specialized category, but it's easy to envision it uh, broadening out to, you know, kinds of mortgages and and, uh, business loans and things like that. And were that to happen, that would be catastrophic. So, yeah, we're uh, we're headed in that direction as the money supply shrinks because there literally then isn't enough credit to cover everything. And, uh, And we have to have triage some some borrowers who need to roll over debts or need ongoing inventory credit or whatever just get stiff. They just don't get it anymore. They fail and so on. So uh, we're headed for something like that. And the question is, at what point does the government step in and try to do something about it, which will then cause 
you know, probably inflation to pick back up, um, which means um, when that starts to happen, you kind of want to be in inflation hedges like gold and silver or um, other kinds of real assets. So there, there's an investment thesis here that seems to say go to cash or go short stocks and things like that in the meantime, in the short run, and then be prepared to shift gears big time into um, gold and silver, et cetera, et cetera, when, uh, when the government starts stepping back in. So, yeah, you know, uh, like I said, it, it's something that's going to be familiar. We've seen this pattern play out before, but the numbers are liable to be a lot bigger. I'm chatting today with Mr. John Rabino. You can subscribe to his uh, work at rabino.substack.com. Uh, the site, again, is rabino.substack.com. And, uh, John, there's another factor here, and that is we've got this debt ceiling fight going on in Washington that in the past has been theatrics. Uh, you know, everybody knows how it ends. We raise the debt ceiling, and there's some negotiating that goes on. But depending upon the timing of all this, uh, you know, could the government's hands be tied just a, a bit unless this debt ceiling situation is resolved that, you know, they're not going to be able to step in? Well, I, I think you're right about how this is theatrics. It, it allows everybody to make their point and, uh, and threaten a lot, but it's not in anybody's interest to uh, be the cause of the government defaulting on debts in the middle of uh, an incipient financial crisis. So, you know, I, I don't think we need the, the government to uh, uh, to have this kind of a debt limit crisis for bad things to start happening. So that you know they they will probably pull back as soon as the other stuff starts happening. And I think we'll get an increase in the debt level, um, or you know the, the allowed debt level pretty soon, just because um, nobody wants to be the guy that causes what will happen if the debt level doesn't get raised. So I don't think that's a big part of the uh, the story, although it might be a temporarily headline grabbing part of the story because uh, while everybody's posturing, it's news. And um, the fact that it's a good, easy to write news story will give it a lot of play. And it, you know, it might spook some people and stuff like that, but I don't think it's a long-term part of the story at all. Well, we have about a minute left in this segment, uh, John. Maybe you could explain to the listeners if they go to rabino.substack.com what they'll find. Yeah, I'm, I'm covering stuff like what we just talked about, but with a, um, a focus on the actionable part of it. In other words, yeah, all this stuff is happening, but what can we do about it? So we're, um, you know, what my subscribers and I are building portfolios of, uh, for instance, junior mining stocks and uranium stocks and things like that, that might do really well in what's coming. And, um, you know, it's, it's an interesting process. And uh, you can, you know, check in by signing up for free and see how a lot of this goes. And then uh, the, the real nitty-gritty portfolio building stuff is happening behind a paywall. You can sign up for that if you think it's worth it. Um, and so far, so good. Well, I have checked it out. I'd encourage the listeners to do the same. It's rabino.substack.com. And I'll continue my conversation with Mr. John Rabino when RLA Radio returns. Stay with us.
I'm Dennis Tubergen. You are listening to RLA Radio. My guest on today's program is Mr. John Rabino. You can read John's work at rabino.substack.com. You can sign up for his newsletter for free. That's rabino.substack.com. And, uh, John, let's just talk a little bit about, um, you know, moving ahead. You, you mentioned that at rubino.substack.com, that one of the things you do with your uh, subscribers is build portfolios. So, so moving ahead, uh, you know, there's an old saying that change does create opportunity. Uh, where do you see the opportunities and where do you see the, 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 the pitfalls that listeners should avoid? Oh, I, I think uh, the, the coming change will produce a lot of opportunities because it's going to be so chaotic. Uh, but um, one of the obvious opportunities is that people are going to, well, let's say we, uh, you know, we're tapering the Ponzi scheme. It leads to a crash. The government steps back in with um, lots of, you know, new versions of STEMI checks and things like that. And, and the money supply starts going back up and inflation happens. Well, obviously you want to be in precious metals. Then, right, and uh, so the question is, how do you buy gold and silver, and um, how do you buy if you want to branch out into the equities part of this? How do you buy gold and silver mining stocks, and which ones do you want? And um, precious metals mining is a very um, it's a specialized sector that has kind of a character of its own because it, you know it's very exciting to people so it's very easy to lie and to make things up that might or might not be true but you say you know things like that and and so the old um, saying from i forget who said it i used to know that um, but the definition of a gold mine is a hole in the ground with a liar standing next to it so if you want to invest <laughs> in gold and silver mining stocks you got to be incredibly careful and so that we're working on that in the substack well how do you um, how do you identify legit junior gold and silver miners as opposed to the ones who have great stories but um, are probably not going to turn out to be much of anything? And so we've got a portfolio of, of um, the, the former kind, you know, the kind that are, uh, are actually finding gold and silver and look like they have a chance to become something much bigger than they are. Um, and then uh, among the bigger gold and silver miners, what uh, what categories are the most interesting? You know, there are different types of gold and silver mining related stocks. Uh, some have great business models. Some have questionable business models. And uh, how do you separate the two? You know, things like that. Those are the questions we're, we're trying to answer and build portfolios around. And um, what else does well? For instance, the uranium, uranium story is very interesting. Because uh, over the last 20 or so years, especially since the Fukushima nuclear accident in Japan, a lot of countries have been phasing out nuclear power and replacing it with, with uh, solar and wind and, to an extent, natural gas. Um, but it turned out very recently that those things have some pretty big flaws of their own. For instance, Germany went big time into natural gas, or into natural gas from Russia and uh, solar and wind. But solar and wind don't actually work that well in a cloudy, not very windy country. So it's not living up to expectations. And then meanwhile, as everybody knows now, I guess, the, the dependence of uh, Germany on Russian natural gas <laughs> turned out to, um, to run headlong into a, geopolit a geopolitical crisis. And the big pipeline that was shipping natural gas to Germany got blown up. Um, so they're in kind of an energy crisis right now. Now, the whole world is looking at this and, and 
seeing what it means for them. And, and they're concluding that a lot of them want to go back to nuclear. <clears throat> so they're taking nuclear plants out of mothball and, uh, and they're um, contracting for new nuclear plants. And it looks like going forward, there will, you know, regardless of uh, the, um, the state of the economy, there will be a lot of new nuclear plants that have to be fed with uranium. But there isn't that much uranium out there um, being mined right now. So the price of uranium will have to go up to incent new mines to be opened. So very straightforward um, investment thesis that starts with, for instance, China's plans for massive new nuclear uh, um, power plant build out and um, flows through to the price of uranium and to the best uranium stock. So we're kind of building portfolios around that thesis too. Same thing with oil and gas. Um, it looks like the uh, the death of fossil fuels is premature and that we will be using oil and gas going forward um, at today's levels or higher, which means a lot of oil companies <clears throat> that pay good dividends are pretty cheap right now. Same thing with a lot of natural gas companies. So, um, the, you know, there's in other words, there are a lot of opportunities out there being created by the, the decisions and the mistakes of the past uh, that can be turned into portfolios. So. If you want to create um, an investment portfolio that is, um, is set up to take advantage of what's coming, it's completely possible to do it. There are a lot of opportunities out there. And um, you, you really should be looking to do things like that because the, the opportunities that will be created will come at the expense of a lot of the things that people own now, like government bond funds, and money market funds, and bank stocks, and and um, a lot of things that are in the average person's IRA, for instance, your retirement depends on these things. And a lot of them won't do very well going forward if it plays out the way it looks like it's going to. So um, we can't just coast on what worked in the past. We have to be willing to look at how things are changing and shift accordingly. John, I want to get your take. Uh, I read a, uh, a piece that, uh, and, and if you think the numbers are different than this, please correct me, but I read a piece that, Around uh, 2000, at the turn of the century, the U.S. dollar was used in 73% of international transactions. And last year, the article I wrote quoted a number of 47%. Um, is this a slippery slope that uh, we're going to see the dollar now, uh, the, the move away from the dollar accelerate? And uh, if so, what does that mean for our average listener? Well, there, there's a, a thing that you might have seen in headlines lately called de-dollarization that's going on. And the, the basic story is that, yeah, the U.S. has had the world's reserve currency. Everybody wants dollars. Um, everybody needs dollars to buy oil and, and to trade with countries that have currencies that aren't as solid as the dollar. And therefore, everybody's holding dollars in their foreign exchange reserves. And, and there's uh, 10 or $15 trillion out there in the world that, um, that you know, aren't needed in the U.S. economy. At the same time, though, the U.S. has been abusing this privilege. We've been blundering around the world, punishing everybody who steps out of line and uh, using the dollar as, as a weapon um, for that punishment. In other words, if a country makes the U.S. mad, uh, you know, we might kick them out of the swift international banking settlement system so their banks can't um, participate in trade anymore. Or, um, for instance, they, they just... Um, confiscated some of Russia's foreign exchange reserves that were stored in a bank in, in dollars in London, I think it was. Uh, so the, the 
countries around the world are worried about this. They don't want to be the U.S.'s next victim. So they're looking for ways to uh, bypass the dollar. And they're cutting trade deals. You know, China and Brazil, for instance, just decided to train it, trade with each other in their own currencies, completely bypassing the dollar. Saudi Arabia has announced that it will take other currencies besides the dollar for oil, which is new. You know, since the 1970s, Saudis have, have only taken dollars. Um, so as this accelerates, Assuming it does accelerate, it looks like it has some momentum now. That means fewer and fewer dollars will be needed out in the world, and you know they'll be dumped, which means the value of the dollar will be pushed down because of selling pressure, which will probably push up inflation in the U.S. and push up interest rates, et cetera, et cetera. You know, so it's a it's a dangerous thing for the U.S. and it's one more big problem. You know, we would have huge financial problems regardless because of all the debt we're taking on, but um, to the extent that the world is shifting out of dollars, even if it's just at the margin, and into yuan or rupees or, or um, rubles or whatever, um, that means that uh, we have another problem on top of our <laughs> existing problem. Uh, and it, you know, it's possible that they all kind of come to a head at the same time, possibly after the U.S. steps back in and reliquifies the economy because the Ponzi scheme broke, like we were talking about earlier. Um, it, it could end up being just too many things on our plate at one time to be able to solve coherently. We might end up with a, a really disorderly decline in the value of the dollar, um, which won't be easy to manage at all when the time comes. So in the time we have left, uh, the, the BRICS countries, uh, Brazil, Russia, India, China, South Africa, have been talking about developing a currency to bypass the dollar, uh, perhaps backed by something tangible. Any updates on that? And do you think that that will be a reality? And if so, when? Well, they're threatening to do something like that. And um, it, it's, it's not an easy thing to do technically. So it's not something where tomorrow they're just going to announce it and launch it. But um, the threat of it is important enough to cause other countries to want to diversify away from the dollar. And it is possible that at some point they'll be able to do something like that because Russia and China have been buying lots of gold in the last few years, which gives them the ability to, uh, to partially back a new currency with gold. Um, India has been loading up on silver, um, <clears throat> which may or may not be part of any kind of a new monetary system, but still, um, makes them richer if silver goes up in the next precious metals bull market. So yeah, that's, that's a thing <clears throat> that we should be watching. It's not an immediate thing, but uh, again, it could be part of this um, constellation of problems that kind of descend on the U.S. all at once here, where um, no one thing is, uh, is all that threatening, but five of them at once constitutes an existential crisis for the U.S. financial system. So yeah, definitely pay attention to the BRICS countries and the, the possibility of them um, starting a new currency. Pay attention to all these new trade deals that don't involve the dollar and uh, watch the trends. If they, if they become bigger and become more you know, front page news, headline news, rather than just uh, uh, you know, in the third page of the business section kind of uh, of news, uh, then you got a real story that could have real financial consequences. Well, my guest today has been Mr. John Rubino. 
You can subscribe to John's newsletter at rabino.substag.com. The website, again, rabino.substag.com. John, you're always very gracious with your time. I get terrific feedback when you're on the program. So thanks for joining us today. Love to have you back down the road. Thanks, Dennis. Look forward to it. We will return after these words. This is the Retirement Lifestyle Advocates Radio Program. I'm your host, Dennis Kubergen. Again, glad you're listening in today. And thanks again to my special guest today, Mr. John Rabino, for joining us on today's program. Hey, quick reminder, if you have not yet requested the April special report, today is your last opportunity to do that. The report is titled Five Forecasts for the Economy and Investing Markets. When you go to requestyourreport.com and request the report, I will send you the report as well as a copy of the revenue sourcing book, which contains a planning strategy for today's economy. You'll also get a copy of the little black book on social security maximization. So again, requestyourreport.com is the website. Go there, let me know where to mail the report and the books, and I'll be glad to do that. Again, requestyourreport.com. Jim Rickards, who is a past guest here on the program, wrote a piece this past week titled, We Are Our Own Worst Enemy. Now, in it, he calls Janet Yellen, the Treasury Secretary, the slow kid in class. I found it to be entertaining as well as accurate. Mr. Rickards says this, it's a fact of life that in any group of students, some are likely to be smarter and quicker than others, while some just can't keep up. It's unfortunate that Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen has turned out to be the slow kid in class when it comes to economic sanctions and financial warfare. He goes on to say that almost 10 years ago, he, meaning Mr. Rickards, sat in a secure conference room at the Pentagon and explained to a group of U.S. national security officials from the military, CIA, Treasury, and other agencies that the overuse of the U.S. dollar in financial warfare would eventually drive countries away from using dollars in international transactions for fear they could become the next target of U.S. displeasure. He said during the meeting, one Treasury official slammed the table and said, quote, The dollar has been the global reserve currency. It is the global reserve currency now, and it will always be the global reserve currency. Now, we have been talking about here on the program how there have been recent and rather dramatic moves away from the U.S. dollar. And just last week, Janet Yellen, who Mr. Rickards labeled the slow kid in the class, seemed to be catching on. There was an article published in AFP News in which Ms. Yellen acknowledged that U.S. sanctions were pushing countries away from the dollar. This is from AGP News. Economic sanctions imposed on Russia and other countries by the United States put the dollar's dominance at risk as targeted nations seek out an alternative 
Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said on Sunday. Here's what she said on CNN, quote, there is a risk when we use financial sanctions that are linked to the role of the dollar that over time it could undermine the hegemony of the dollar. Well, she's really playing Monday morning quarterback here because these sanctions have already resulted in big moves away from the U.S. dollar. In fact, as I talked about with John Rubino on today's program, one of the headlines you're seeing frequently has has the words de-dollarization in the headline. Now, Yellen went on to say this, quote, of course, it does create a desire on the part of China, Russia, and Iran to find an alternative But the dollar is used as a global currency for reasons that are not easy for other countries to find an alternative with the same properties. She said the robust U.S. capital markets and rule of law are essential in a currency that's going to be used globally for transactions. And we haven't seen any other currency that has the basic institutional infrastructure to enable its currency to serve the world like this. Now, of course, she will say that. However, the BRICS countries, as I talked about with Mr. Rubino, are openly and aggressively moving to develop a currency to be used in trade other than the U.S. dollar. China and Brazil, as I talked about with John in the last segment, are now deciding that they'll bypass the dollar in their trade and they will use their own currencies. Now, Yellen went on to say, Sanctions are an extremely important tool. However, they will become less effective as alternatives to the dollar are developed. Now, Mr. Rickards, in his piece, said that Russia has been preparing for this. In 2009, Russia's gold reserves, according to Mr. Rickards, were 600 tons. By the time the sanctions were imposed last year, Russia's gold reserves were up to 3,000 tons. They spent that 13-year period acquiring 2,400 metric tons of gold. They bought 20 to 30 tons per month every month. And over 13 years, they got to that 3,000-ton level. Russia, according to Mr. Rickards, was anticipating this financial warfare from the United States and its allies. So they have been able to weather this quite well. Now, what does that mean for you? Why do I bring this up? Well, if this de-dollarization move continues, and I believe it will, I believe it will accelerate, then as you plan for retirement, as you look at how you want to position the money you have in a 401k or an IRA, it's becoming increasingly important to diversify out of the U.S. dollar. One of the easiest ways to do that is to own precious metals, own physical gold, own physical silver. John Rubino gave you some options as well. In fact, if you'd like to go back and listen to this program, it is posted at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. You can go back and re-listen to this segment. In fact, at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com, there are a number of free resources, including my weekly headline roundup alternative newscast. You can participate in that newscast live every Monday noon, but all the archived uh, versions of the Headline Roundup newscast 
are posted at retirementlifestyleadvocates.com. Quick reminder as I close today's program that I do have available for just today, the April special report, the April 2023 special report is titled Five Forecasts for the Economy and Investing Markets. If you visit the website, requestyourreport.com, I'll be glad to send you a copy, along with a copy of the Revenue Sourcing Book, as well as a copy of the Little Black Book on Social Security Maximization. So again, the website to visit, requestyourreport.com. That's all the time I have for this week. Hope you got something you can use. I'll be back again next week. 